I don't read a magazine. Yeah, please do that. Please read a magazine. Okay. Read it aloud. That would be nice. Maybe that can be an episode. Ooh. Uh, I don't think you want me to read this aloud. <laughs> Why is it dirty? What kind of magazine is this? <laughs> Filthy. Uh, well, it's the it's it's a show guide for the 1993 winter CES. So it's a bunch of uh, advertorials about uh, exhibitors and what games they are displaying. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. American Softworks recently released Skulljagger: Revolt of the Westicans for the Super NES. At Winter CES, the company will display three new products. Super James Bond and Super Troll Land are both upcoming American software titles for the Super NES. The other, Trolls in Crazy Land, is for the Game Boy. <laughs> it's actually not. It's for the NES. So they got that wrong. Mm-hmm. hate to see that. Full page ad for the Supervision, the weird Taiwanese Game Boy knockoff. Very cool. Apparently there was a uh, software publisher called Azeroth. The same place that Warcraft takes place. That's right. <laughs> Before it was uh, the World of Warcraft world, they made an Inspector Gadget game for computers. Whoa. Yeah, I heard they had the game dev class, but they took it away. They just axed it from the game. <laughs> oh, they also did Interactive Old Testament. So mm. <laughs> I imagine a bunch of QuickTime events, personally. Jean-Luc! Damn it, shoot! The mission, Jean-Luc! Have you forgotten how many of us have already given our lives for insert credit? This is episode 261 of the only video game podcast where we provide a curated discourse of topics to a panel of video game experts kept apace by a horrible buzzer. I'm Alex Jaffe, and my favorite game when I was 13 was probably The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker. Okay, my name is Frank Spalli. My favorite game when I was 13 would probably be, like, Summer 95. Um, uh, uh, let's see. Sonic and Knuckles was Christmas 94. God, I think 95 is kind of when I stopped playing stuff. So, I think the last game that I received at that point was Donkey Kong Country. So let's go with that. Donkey Kong Country 1. All right. Acceptable. Joining us this week is our own former substitute host and uh, the event organizer for Evo, Andres Velasco y Cole is here. Oh, yeah. Hi. I'm Nothing Excess, a.k.a. Andres Velasco y Cole. And my favorite video game when I was 13. God, that was so long ago. Wait, (laughs) that was 1998. That means, by default, it must be The King of Fighters, 1998. (laughs) They put the date right up there so you wouldn't get it wrong. Uh, More video games should do that. I nailed it. (laughs) All right. Also joining us, creative producer at Focus Entertainment, editor at PC Gamer, and writer in exile of Fanbyte, Funke Joseph. Yo, yo, yo. Hey, how's it going, gamers? Uh, (laughs) Oh, you're on the wrong show. Uh, Our listeners are game likers. Game Mm -hmm. likers. I'm so sorry. Game enjoyers, you could say. Game enjoyers. We are defined by our enjoyment of video games, not our gaming. Nice. Because it's possible to enjoy a game without playing it. I I don't (laughs) think I've played a video game in quite a while. (laughs) Absolutely. I just bought one. Yes. Well, my favorite game when I was 13 has to be Portal 2. Huh. Uh, the, The cake is a lie. People still say that? That was Portal 1. Okay. Well, it's it's the truth now. 
It's fair. Incredible. Was there a cake in Portal 2? Wasn't there like an ending with cake? I think the ending with cake is in Portal 1 as well. I think so. Yeah. They tell you the cake is alive, but there's a cake regardless at the end. And there's a music video thing happening at the end, too. They do a lot of self-reference stuff going on. The best kind of comedy is self-referential comedy. That's what I say. (laughs) Uh, Here's our first topic this week. Sonic Frontiers is out now to middling reviews. And the last Sonic game that everybody liked and had liked in some time is still Sonic Mania. Is 3D Sonic a failed experiment? Oh, man. No, no, not probably not. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, ta- I'm gonna defend my my Sonic homies here for a second because uh, let's be real. I don't think anyone that actually actively enjoys something like a Sonic Adventure, Sonic Adventure Battle, etc., like those Sonic games, like there's obviously gonna be like people who are like, oh, I don't know, I don't like this. It's not like the Sonics I remember. But I'm not trying to say like don't think critically about them. Those games have like their jank. And this might be like the Dino Please infecting my brain a little bit where I've learned to kind of enjoy a little bit of everything. Those games have a lot of fun in their own merits. Like, I'm not trying to be all like, you know, there's obviously like, oh, this is the version of Sonic. That's quite Kino. <laughs> and then like be petulant about it. But like, there's a lot of fun things about Sonic Frontiers that people are kind of glossing over because everyone's sort of stuck in this weird, oh, it's got to be the perfect Sonic game. And if it's not, it's dog water. You know, it's like, no, dude. It can just be a fun Sonic game. At this point, though, like 3D Sonic has absolutely, it's generated like its own personality at this point. You know what you're getting when you're getting into a 3D Sonic game. You know the motion's not going to be exactly quite le- like it should be in a triple A experience. And it's if you're playing a Sonic game, that's not the point. It's like, I don't know, people being mad at fighting games for having weird motion inputs at this point. So are the 3D Sonic and 2D Sonic games essentially different kinds of games then absolutely do you not yeah. classify them in the same franchise no they're the same franchise they're all sonic games but yeah absolutely a 2d sonic speed platformer i don't know what you would call a sonic game truly other than a sonic game but in the same way that a 2d sonic game is very much you play it and you're like ah a sonic game uh and the game that is most representative of that now is sonic mania i feel like you play a 3d sonic and you know exactly what you're getting yourself into which is mm-hmm. you're going really fast and it don't quite work, but it does. Yeah, that's part like its of own it, isn't weird, it? In its own weird way, you're like, yeah, that feels like home in a way. Yeah, I totally hear that. Um, that that's the Sonic game that I grew up on, Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. Uh, and I just like played through all the modes as the hero and then the dark or evil mode. And I, so many parts of that game just really are emblazoned in my memory. Like the theme song, just the the first level running down those San Francisco like streets with the giant truck chasing you. Sure. I don't know. Like it it may have fell off in the recent years, but I still think 3D Sonic is is really fun and offers up a whole different realm of of what Sonic can be that the 2D games simply can't do. Like the Chow Garden and just like that whole training system and how you could really just raise a, a little demon monster thing. And, and give it all these traits from different animals that you save. I was like, whoa, this is a whole another game mode inside of a Sonic game that I'm, I'm used to. But it's also offering all these elements that I, I couldn't find in a 2D side-scrolling uh, platformer. Sure, the fishing game in Sonic Adventure 1 comes to mind. Maybe 3D Sonic is just a space to try weird stuff. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's true. No, I think there is this very specific, like, sort of cadence i don't know a specific kind of feel to, to 3d sonic that is 3d like sonic. A vibe and yeah vibe mm. is maybe it and um 
I don't know. I think this new one's pretty cool. I, I, I only played, I don't know if anyone here has played it. I, I played it far enough to to the exact point where it's like, okay, the world's open. Go do what you want. Like, I've, I've, I played just the, all the training stuff, basically. I don't know. Having a pretty good time. Like, Sonic's about just kind of the freedom of running around. In the same way that, like, Mario is about the freedom of, like, moving through jumping. I think Sonic's about the freedom of moving through running and and so far, and I'm sure I'm going to unlock all kinds of crazy crap. Um, it feels pretty good to run around. Uh, I am surprised that I like a peaceful, quiet, contemplative Sonic the Hedgehog. That makes no <laughs> sense to me. Um, yet it's cool because like the, the Sonic game in my head is like the realization of the city from Sonic Adventure 1, except I can actually run up the buildings and stuff and like sure. have fun in that world. A flash like, game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm having a pretty good time. I, and uh, I don't, I haven't played a 3D Sonic since uh, the demo of Sonic Adventure 2. I never played the full game. Um, but this, I don't know, feels like coming home, but also its own thing. And maybe I'll get to the part where I complain about the game. But so far I'm like, yeah, have a good time. Run around. I touch that thing and then suddenly he's grinding on a rail that doesn't make any sense and then he spits <laughs> me out somewhere else and it's fine. Press a button to get on that thing over there. Cool. Yeah. Walk, walk a little bit into this box and then the box explodes and then a coin comes out. Just kind of touch it, you know, gently and then it explodes. That's kind of fun. So yeah. it's not a failed experiment, but a different beast. I don't know. It's a, it's a video game. Okay. <laughs> it's a, it's a, all <laughs> games are the same. I hear it for your action first. button. Bottom line of uh, Sonic Frontiers is that it's a video game. It's a video yeah. game. It's, yes, it's a video game with a fishing mini game that's actually really funny. Okay, they put so many things into that, like just random fish, and I, I was shocked because we kept like fishing. I was string with my friend John Warren, and there were just endless fish. We were there for like ten minutes, and we didn't catch the same fish twice. It was giving Sega bass fishing, which is really funny. All right, here's our next topic. How do games best emulate the fantasy of being able to fly? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is there has to be some weight to it. There has to be some kind of gliding. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you can't just like free, free camera float. You know what I mean? That that doesn't doesn't work. Yeah, that like that doesn't feel like flying. Flying has to feel like you can fall. Right. So I really like the Mario World slash uh, Arkham Asylum cape or Arkham City, I guess. Right. Mm. Like the (laughs) the sort of like dive to to somehow gain momentum that that brings you back up. That doesn't that's not I don't think there's any real physics involved there like remotely. But for some reason, that actually feels like flying to me more than most because flying. you're earning every other loop by earning it exactly yeah, exactly yeah. i am yeah. kind of like swimming my way back up into the air and you know bottom line is that i think uh batman should have made a mario world like sound when, when, he, <laughs> when he or whatever that would have helped I yeah. died a lot in that like razal ghoul dream tutorial doing that oh, the first God. time yeah no i didn't yeah you should get get, get good at that yeah. i did get good it just took a while okay all right good you gave me you gave me flashbacks pretty hard there. Yeah, I actually I super agree with the with the take on the Batman cape. Oh man, that was actually like so fun. The bat wings, pretty much. The other yeah. thing too is like it doesn't always have to have a sense of weight. I think a lot of it sometimes, although the sense of weight, like really feeling satisfied with like the the fantasy of flying, obviously having weight to it and it having like a, a physics that you would more or less expect uh i remember playing pilot wings when i was a kid originally on the super nintendo and being so like flabbergasted at how 
complicated it was to fly when you didn't know what you were doing. And then after you figured it out, how awesome it was to actually feel like you were up in the air and actually staying up in the air and landing and having control over it. Like that was always super awesome. So I feel like, but that was so much different than even nowadays playing just something where you can just go and you like take off. I feel like the mechanics don't always have to represent the flight in so long as it feels like ultimately you're in a control of it and able to move in a way that's pleasing in a world that feels appropriately sized for your newfound ability if that makes any mm. sense um i hear that it's gonna be a weird take but i know a lot of people don't think of mmo movement much and i also right. don't really think of mmo mmos much but i did get absorbed into the final fantasy 14 vortex and it's weirdly nice to fly in that game when you're like on a chocobo with the understanding that obviously it's sort of like freeform movement but a lot of it is like the world is so large and pretty and you do feel like you're moving so far away and so far above from things that it do be feeling kind of nice. Like it doesn't have to hmm. be, yeah, it doesn't have to be like, oh, you know, it moves like you would expect me flying. It just kind of feels nice to look and to feel it like the freedom of it, maybe because we so much associate flying with freedom. Yeah. Mm. For for me, it's like I do hear what Frank's saying about the weightiness, but I find that too much weightiness is kind of not what I'm looking for because I, I want more of a fantasy like I think of Minecraft or other games with a glider where it really takes into account like how much wind is pushing back against you and how realistic it would be for you to fly with this material and that kind of stuff doesn't land well with me the stuff I do enjoy is is more uh I guess fantastical like more Princess Peach's float which just stunts like in, in Smash Bros or something stunts the the momentum of the match and you kind of just stay there for a moment. Uh, I know it's not flying, flying, but floating is like the closest thing for me. Most of the games I play are, are pretty grounded. Like just playing a lot of Death Stranding, which is walking around. <laughs> but when I do go for flying, that's the stuff that I look for. Stuff that like really feels magical rather than realistic. That makes sense. All right. I think we've uh, covered it. Here's our next question. As a developer... What precautions should you take when dealing with a major publisher to avoid being taken advantage of? Oh, man. Um, okay, so my experience with this is all classic game compilations. My approach to uh, not being messed with is to uh, deliver things at the uh, very final second when it's too late uh, for them to say no. Does that, does that answer the question? That's a good one. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Better to ask forgiveness than permission. That kind That's of why thing. our games are good. Yeah, nice. that's nice. I'm not a I'm not a game developer, but I do know that larger corporations just want money and don't care about people. So it feels like kind of a hard thing to combat. Like, how do you how do you know how far to go with this publisher when they could drop you like a dime at whenever? So it's kind of scary. It is. I think almost all of us have to deal with that on some kind of level. This is basic stuff, but just don't sign a bad contract. Like you know, really look over your terms or, you know, if you're, if you're very highly independent and, and don't feel good about it, just, you know, find a legal service that you can contract with and take that seriously because, uh, mm -hmm. there, there's some very predatory, uh, publishers out there who are taking advantage of, of, of tiny teams thinking that they don't know any better. And I've seen some just bonkers terms. Let's hear some. Gosh, should I name names here? Sure. <laughs> Spill the tea. I saw I saw one from Atari once Oof. that was essentially if we don't approve of 
your second milestone, uh, you owe us a hundred thousand dollars. What? What? And, it, and like me, what? it was essentially like we can decide at any time we don't like your work, and not only do we cancel it, you just kind of owe us a lot of money if we oh decide we don't gosh. like your work. Yeah. Um. This is uh. This is not the current Atari, but uh, it was Atari. The guys who made Defender really got screwed on that one. <laughs> Listen, if I had an answer to this, I'd be rich. <laughs> don't. That's fair. I wish you're only not rich because you've been taken advantage of. No, I'm just saying like I'd be rich because of like I'd be the person and I found out how to do it. And then probably I'd still die in poverty. Whatever. My point being, if someone had the answer to this and it was actionable, we'd be in a much better place. But it's kind of hard because so many moving parts and people just trying to people with divergent, even though everyone's kind of working towards the same thing of hey, ship game. So many divergent opinions on how ship game can be accomplished and how you know, the work environment is a bunch of people trying to do the same thing or trying to get to the same place with different opinions on how to do it. I don't mm. think this is a big ask. I'm just trying to get you to solve late stage capitalism in six minutes. <laughs> no, I got nothing for <laughs> well, you, yeah. man. I wish. I do think for a more serious answer, I guess it's just um, collectively raising our standards as an industry yeah. and being more transparent about the deals that are happening and like things like salaries and stuff like that in the industry, because the publishers will screw over people in the same deal, like, and, and not really right. tell other people like what someone else is getting paid and just keep people in the dark for things like that. And that's how it, like these issues start to blossom and, and just become like a whole garden of, of a mess. So ultimately the answer is unionize. Yep. Yeah. Collective yeah. bargaining is the way that you, uh, protect yourself i suppose or bare minimum just like tell people what you're paid you know yeah yeah that's a good that that's a practice we could all stand to get behind like if someone emails you and they're like yo i've i've noticed that you've worked with this publisher before what were your terms like just to answer them yeah don't be don't be precious about that what's the worst that could happen <laughs> i just immediately had this like flash forward <laughs> to prison in my brain yeah i was waiting for the just slam like it, it, it like a striped suit with one of those like little hats that you wear just yeah. grabbing oh, no. onto the bars like a carmen san diego villain a tiny little pickaxe <laughs> like the, the oh, you hold no. two fingers like on a rock like it's just yeah. what you do for the rest of your life exactly well even with that consequence hanging over your head, it's a good practice. Yeah, do it anyway. How do you curate a video game zine? Ooh, oh, uh, I did this. Um, well, you, you want to get a team of, of writers and designers and just creators in general that you really mess with. Yeah. And then I think by, by proxy, the games that they enjoy and the media that they enjoy will just be pretty easy for them to pull from. And you ask them to just write or make a video or make a cool design out of it. And you make some cool stuff together. Um, and it's a, a lot of work. Absolutely a lot of work. But uh, it, it's definitely cool to do. What comes from this? Like, I've never read a video game zine before. As I, I don't think I've ever read a zine before. Zines are awesome. I don't know anything about this culture. Zines are so cool. Zines are just like short stories of, of anything, fiction or nonfiction. Yeah. Um, and they can be very DIY. I mean, that's the whole spirit of it, that it is just like what people are making with the tools that they have and the experience and the friends and the materials um, that they can just pull from their real life. Yeah. I, I, when you make a zine, I think you're just trying to share what you really love or a feeling that you're really passionate about, even if it's like a 
a more melancholic zine. But yeah, the one that I made play underground with with my pals, we really just focus on sharing the the cool smaller indie games uh, because I feel like everything I was seeing at the time was just triple A. Call of Duty. Like, did you know that God of War 2 is out? Poo, 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 poo. Um, so I really wanted to highlight the stuff that, that is a bit smaller and people may miss. And I think zines are perfect for that, whether it's digital or in person with a little notebook. I have a zine that I like to buy that I have plugged yeah. in general chat, which is a dank zine, which is uh, made by this streamer called NK. And I think it really just comes down to if you have something to talk about, uh, and you have other people who also want to talk about that thing, um, then all you got to do is grab your friends, you know, get some articles done for it, get some art whipped up and publish it, right? Like it really comes down to just what do you want to talk about, right? Like what do you want to talk about with other people who may also have the same interests? Like NK's zine got is like, like, like a random retro zine and it could be talking about anything. They've had like a Lord BBH article there about like some old like fighting games. I don't recall exactly which one because I just got it and I haven't had time to read it. But like there's MSX2 uh, articles in there all the time. Stuff that I didn't really know about like at all that I just sit there and read because they're so interesting. Like I, so I imagine if I ever wanted to make a zine, I would grab like topics I'm super passionate about and that like I have a lot of things and friends hmm. that have like topics about that they're super passionate about and we just be like hey yo this is like the excess zine we're going to talk about all this dumb stuff whatever let's go it's great I like it maybe you'll like it yeah it's ultimately that's what it is right it's kind of like the forum yeah <laughs> I, like right up. exactly I, I I was gonna ask Frank is the was the original insert credit a zine if you think about it does the zine have to be printed no uh I think so. Yeah, because um, there was sort of a common tone among articles that was like, hey, we're all trying to do something weird and new at the same time and, and evolve it by challenging each other. And that sounds very zine like to me, right? Like there's and it's very specifically, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like the earlier example. Let's talk about stuff that people don't talk about. Let's mm -hmm. let's be the, the, the Kentia Hall of, of video game websites and um I, I I'm speaking for this website as if I had a big like I wrote like two articles, dude. But, sure, but, <laughs> but you know, I hung out with Brandon. Yeah. I don't know. Um you were there. I was around. Um but yeah, I think sure. You know, it it, it I remember specifically uh it wasn't a blog. That that was not a term that Brandon liked. So let's call it a zine. Yeah. I think he'd approve of that. <laughs> speaking for him. As someone who posted an insert credit way back when uh yeah dude instant credit was absolutely a zine like up, up, yeah up, 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 back to the forums it was absolutely a zine if you think about it if you read some of those articles right now yeah yeah absolutely it consensus would feel a lot like it yeah <laughs> i mean it, it it practically had a photocopier aesthetic i mean with the typeface yes. and everything yeah <laughs> it really did zine is just magazine but short form and like a physical zine is just like a shorter z or magazine in general so what you're doing is just sharing something like you would in a magazine but zine is just like smaller form i, I think it's more than just smaller i think it's looser mm. i mm. think that's a defining feature of a zine is that you don't have to be too precious true hmm yeah i guess so all right well i think i know a lot more now <laughs> <laughs> I ended up posting like a little picture and obviously people who are listening to this can't tell, but I could see this article on insert credit once upon a time, maybe with not that many graphics, the graphics would be in black and white, but I could see it. Oh yeah. Is this from dank scene? It is from the dank scene. Yeah. 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 That, that's, that's some insert credit there. All right. We've solved yeah, it. NK is cool. I love NK so much. I, I guess insert credit invented zines. 
you're welcome, oh the culture. No, come on. No, please. <laughs> I'm not no. taking it back. <laughs> Wait a second. Yes, please. Right. Could we please strike that one from the record? Thank you very much. <laughs> now that's permanent. It's time okay. to play the adaptation game. This is a segment we infrequently do where I give you a premise that you have to adapt from one medium to another. Video games are somehow involved. This week, you're searching for an ideal video game to adapt into a daytime TV game show to run alongside the likes of Let's Make a Deal and The Price is Right. The constraints are that it can't be a trivia game and you can't play the game itself on the show. Huh. Hmm. So it's got to be daytime TV. So fighting games are right out. Because someone Unless... getting their face caved in. <laughs> well, okay, so define... That's prime time. Well, when you say playing the game, can you play a representation that is like the original game? You just mean you can't literally play the video game? Exactly. Okay, there is it. no video game playing well, on this show. Then fighting games could still be in. You could have like a... a talk show interview style thing but they get really just like into sumo suit or like a really big fist cardboard on their hand and they just like <laughs> fight each other they could do that i would watch that in the morning how would you emulate a specific video game with that other than being a generic fighting show american gladiator style i think that's all in the camera angles um and graphics right just like have people the studio audience in the in the back and then on the stage there is like just people are moving left to right only mm -hmm. emulate that 2d vibe i think you could get some like even even practical effect health bars going above could you somehow emulate area attacks or distance attacks like hadoukens <laughs> i mean yeah with a with an intern or something like carrying the <laughs> a, a blue ball there's a lot of stuff you could do here I was thinking maybe like a wrist mounted laser pointer that charges up or something. And if it hits <laughs> the other player, then they take damage. Oh, shit. Yeah, I, I like that. I mean, the, the easy answer, if you want it to be easy and, and kind of like petulant about it, is you could do kind of like laser tag, but style yeah. it as something else. Like, you know, you're doing like team laser tag. I still don't know that that would be a game show. When I'm thinking game show, I'm thinking about, yeah, like you said, Price is Right. What right. could compete in that time slot for family-friendly entertainment that you could adapt from a video game that can't be trivia? Like, that is a hell of a question. Thank you. Um, so I have, I have a small list going. Um, the oh, first what? thing I wrote is Nickelodeon's Fortnite. Um, okay. I'm, I'm picturing something kind of like Legends of the Hidden Temple. It's just yeah. like, you know, you're going around and, and, and uh, you're not literally shooting each other, obviously, but there, there's some, some kind of big prop city. I don't know. I also wrote uh, Candy Crush, I think could be adapted into- That's already a game show, Candy Crush. Oh, great. I won't, Wait, I won't elaborate is? then because the real one's probably better than mine. Uh, the third thing I wrote is Fruit Ninja, and it's super dangerous. So I'll just <laughs> let that one um, just rest as it is. Oh, I like that one. Uh, the fourth one I wrote is Carmen San Diego, just like it was, because that seemed to work pretty well. Yeah, Why not? That's the best one. God, I and miss then, that show so much. Unfortunately, it is trivia based. Uh, okay. Well, we can, we can, uh, we can do something about that. And then, and then the fifth one I wrote is, uh, Among Us. I've never played Among Us, but <gasps> it sure seems like something that could be replicated oh, in yeah, real life. Yeah, I think you could a do a show. real Among Us game. Yeah. 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 How, how did I spend the entire pandemic playing an aggressive amount of Among Us and did not think of Among Us? What is wrong with you? <laughs> you absolutely could do that. It's just an offshoot of Werewolf slash Mafia. The mechanics for it are very straightforward mm -hmm. yes you could absolutely do among us well live action among us is just the thing as well well now it's an official thing it's not a bootleg thing now now they're <laughs> getting money 
Our friend Heather Ann Campbell was in a pilot for a werewolf game show that never made it to air. So the concept does have legs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm picturing something kind of like a Japanese game show with Among Us. Yeah. Could be. Like kind of a hidden camera, uh, let's see what they do kind of yeah, show. One of the players is made of chocolate, but they don't know which. <laughs> Incredible. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, that's, a, that's how uh, it is. Those are my answers. Good answers. Good answers. <laughs> I also kind of like, I, I haven't, I need to flesh this out more, but I like the idea of there's some kind of cross section between escape room and point and click adventure that I haven't quite meshed together into a game show yet. But I kind of, I'm kind of imagining like someone controlling the actions of a real person, like use yeah. candle on zombie. <laughs> kind of like a Twitch plays Pokemon, but like the studio audience plays escape room. Right. Right. Like in The Price is Right, when everybody behind you in the audience is shouting out what you think the price yeah. would be. So like your moves, it's, it's, not, it's not just you have to escape. Like there's, 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 you know, you could die or whatever. Yeah. Not literally, but we're not going to yeah. kill people uh, for real on this show. We're going to represent death. But what about the ratings? <laughs> yeah. That's more of a six o'clock show. We're talking noontime yeah. here. Rem- I remind you that the ratings demand death. <laughs> they do. I think uh, all these considered, I'm going to go with the Among Us one. Okay. That's our winner. Uh, Frank, you're in the lead. I forgot to mention this show has a score oh, no. in the system. Oh, so what? somebody wins at the end. Uh, oh, we'll be right back. You'll be able to ruminate on that while we uh, take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the point of the show where if you need to go to the bathroom, you can use the bathroom. If you need a drink, you can get a drink. I need to kill a spider. Go do that. Welcome back to Insert Credit. It's time for us to go to the dirt bag. This is the part of almost every episode where I select a question submitted to us by our good patrons at patreon.com slash insert credit, where you, for mere dollars a month, can get access to the form that allows you to submit these questions, uh, get bonus episodes every month, and other exclusive treats and goodies that you'll have to discover the nature of for yourself when you subscribe to that Patreon. This week's question comes from Bear Cabin, who asks, Considering Game Freak was a video game magazine before becoming a video game developer, what sorts of developers would other video game magazines have become? Pretty bad ones. <laughs> yeah. God, these questions are loaded today. Um, yeah. <laughs> yo, these questions got hands. Hold on. Would EGM have made the memeiest possible games of all time? Would they have just gone full bonkers? Which era? Which era of EGM are we talking? Nineties. Mm, okay, so nineties EGM was still very much worshiping uh, Japan, um, yeah, and specifically looking for reasons to be upset about censorship. Uh, in the U.S. Uh, from the Japanese originals. Like, they were super into that in the 90s. So I think they would try to make, like, visual novels or something. Oh, my God. And uh, not be very good, be very, very white about it, you know? Mm. I think there de- you could definitely expect a Shuin Chan video game. Mm-hmm. And that would be kind of like, I don't know, those promotional app games that some twitch streamers and youtubers make that are just like full of references to the thing itself and are impenetrable as video games to anyone but the audience (laughs) i'm going early 90s game pro in my head which is which is very like hello children um and 
so I think it well <laughs> this game probably exists on the Genesis or something, but you know it's it's a kid with a backwards baseball cap. Um, sure. Fido Dido looking ass with like sunglasses and stuff. Um, Incredible. Jumps on things and bounces off of them and uh, dies in one hit like Bubsy and uh, does the thing that like Aladdin did where it blanks out the background and does an animation when you die, you know, like do, do that. Ooh. Yeah, it'd be it'd be something like that, right? They, they do stuff like that. It'd be like very hey kids, right? There'd be like lizards and, you know, they'd, be, they'd do another game about boogers probably. Be like, what do you think about these boogers? That that'd be the title of the game. What do you think about these boogers? I yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. Wow. I think it would be fun if something like PlayStation Magazine or Xbox Magazine made fake demo games that were like ten or fifteen minute first act of a video game that otherwise didn't exist, like Ooh. kind of the fake trailers of video games. I used wow. to have this idea that I before I knew how anything worked. I like yeah. the idea of uh, someone making, you know, physical video games for the PS1 or whatever, like during its time, you know, that are intentionally like really short and bad. Um, and they're yeah. just like $10 stocking stuffer joke games. And uh, I, I think I think that's kind of what you're going for here is, is a similar feel to. Oh, I, uh, I think the company you're describing is Burger King. <laughs> oh, you know, that's actually that did happen. You're right. <laughs> yeah, that did happen. Okay. <laughs> Okay. What I want so bad is like 80s Nintendo Power making a claymation Mario 64. Whoa. Uh, just like wow. completely claymation, like stop oh. motion for everything. Just emulating that style. I would eat that up. I want to point out that Leslie Swan worked at Nintendo Power as her main job and was the voice of Princess Peach. Oh, oh. So, so they almost kind of did make a video game. Mm, if you really think Mario about it, Mario 64. Yeah, That's Mario right. 64 is the Nintendo Power game. <laughs> they need more clay. Uh, it was uh, literally like she was visiting yeah. the office in Japan and they're like, hey, white lady, can you do this voice? Yeah, everybody played Clay Fighter 63 and a third and was like, we need more of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, here's a tough question. Uh, we didn't get to talk about Dave Halverson, but okay, go on. What would, what would the Famitsu games be like? I don't know their taste, honestly. Yeah, that one's difficult. Like, what what games did they what games did they give tens? Let's look that up. Famitsu forty. Yeah, I've not read them before. The first perfect score was Ocarina of Time. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then they just kind of give them out like candy now, I guess. But, I don't know yeah. about all that. They went Soul Calibur, and then they went Vagrant Story. You know what? I think we can trust Famitsu to make a good game because they liked Vagrant Story. <laughs> they got taste. <laughs> they uh, they rate Zelda highly. Yeah, for the most part, they gave JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All Star Battle a perfect score. I don't know. Wait, when? In 2013. <laughs> oh, okay. Never mind. So we can no longer trust Famitsu's taste, as I mm -hmm. was uh, mm -hmm. previously saying. No, no. I mean, they liked Final Fantasy 12 a hell of a lot too, but then they also liked Brawl. Super Smash Brothers Brawl. Yeah. Super Smash Brothers Brawl is how do I say questionable? It's cool. If you go at Brawl with like a you're a kid just playing a game, it's it's definitely fun, but as a competitive game, no way. I don't think it's it meant is. to be a competitive game. It's app, it's meant to be anti-competitive actually right. in a lot of the systems. Yeah. I'm not going to I'm not going to start getting into the It's the Mario line. Kart. Can you Come imagine? On. Can you imagine getting you get the fighting game person in and they start waxing again, yet again about fighting games. No, we're not doing it. But, uh, <laughs> All right, that's time actually. Okay, okay but before time, I just want to point out they gave L.A. Noir a thirty-nine out of forty. Damn. Yeah. Okay. That's something. Yeah. That's a choice. 
I see uh-huh. you, Famitsu. All right. Uh, has there ever been a good video game ad? No. Oh. Ad. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, Japan's made a couple good ones. I really, really like the mobile game ads that I get. That oh. are just <laughs> completely ridiculous. And I'll never you know? play them. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> But I like when they get like the guy from Suits to tell you to play Royal Clash or something. <laughs> oh no! All the ones that are the same ad for the pin game that none of the games yeah. are actually. Yes, yeah. that's my favorite one. <laughs> yeah, all those Ebony ads. I can't believe the Come Play My Lord guys are still making moves. I was about to go there. Yeah. 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 Uh, I get a one where like a lot of a lot of gerbils are standing up and they're trapped in like a a thing. And yeah. you have to stop the cave from trapping in on them. And they're like, please oh, yeah, help yeah. us, please help us, please help us. Or like you have to stop a king from freezing to death. Yes, or there's like freezing water in one jar and then there's a bunch of lava in the other. Yeah. And the king's like, which one do I open? Which one do I open? <laughs> those are cool. Yeah, I guess those are what video game ads are now. <laughs> they are. The ones that I liked a lot that were like absolutely garbage but also incredible are like the mafia city ads because they don't make any goddamn sense oh it's level 100 like, yeah scrub, level 100 level crook. One. that's how mafia works yeah i literally had to look up a video real quick because i needed to hear the little crappy song they play in the very first <laughs> ad because my friends and i constantly made jokes about this we just do something crazy and we just turn around and be like that's how mafia works <laughs> i don't know we went with good there's none about this nothing about this is good there's nothing good here yeah, I mean like an ad that actually makes you want to play a game. Does that exist? Has that ever existed? One one from my youth that, that has stuck with me, um, possibly because I'm still surrounded by these stupid magazines, is uh, the, the magazine ad for Mega Man 3 just said, Mega Man 3, anything else you need to know? It's pretty good. Uh, that was it. Man, was that like, is cocky. I was like, no, 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 sir. I liked Mega Man too. I'm in. Yo, nineties, nineties magazine ads were crazy. It could, it could go from anywhere. It could be like, oh, this ad, yeah, it does something, or it's the Daikatana. You know, John Romero's about to make you his B. You know, this ad is borderline sexual harassment. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. That could have literally been the copy. What Jaffe just said. This yes. ad is borderline sexual harassment. <laughs> and then just the and, logo for Daikatana. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. I was gonna go uh, Twisted Metal, but Twisted Metal's too. good. Yeah. Yeah. What were those ads like? I don't know. Probably something with the clown. <laughs> something with the clown. Yeah. Something with the clown. <laughs> clown just like slitting a man's throat open, like very graphically. Yeah. Jeez. I remember when Jeff Lemire's Sweet Tooth comics were coming out, and I was like, they made a comic about the clown from Twisted Metal? And then it <laughs> turned into a Netflix series? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that character really took off. Wow. People don't even remember that he's from Twisted Metal anymore. Man, it must have been tragic when he lost those antlers. It must have yeah. driven him to clown <laughs> insanity. Incredible. Oh, God. These are some niche jokes here, people. That was a very popular Netflix series. Come on. I guess. I guess, I guess it is. Robert Downey Jr. produced it. It's only it. for nerds. It's only, only for nerds. nerds like me know what Sweet Tooth is. I'll be honest. I forgot there was a Netflix show. I didn't know there was a Netflix show. I live under a rock. Is it an ongoing thing or was it a canceled after one season deal? I uh, don't know. I should know this. I work for DC. Yeah. <laughs> What the heck, dude? What the heck? I should be the one. Whatever. Any good video game ads. Has there been one? So far, I'm hearing no. Mine was great. Yeah, the Mega Man 3 one is fine. No, Mafia City. I stand by my decision. (laughs) Has that made you play Mafia City? Absolutely not. Then no, it's not a good video game ad. The ad was good, 
and I enjoyed it. Not that it made me play. That's the not what an ad is designed to do, Andres. It's designed <laughs> to make you play the game. God, it, it can be an entertaining ad, but it's not a good ad unless it wakes. Oh my is god. This, this is one that I just posted any good? I can't tell. I remember that ad. <laughs> oh my god. Oh yeah, gosh. that that one's pretty good. This is terrifying. For the video jukebox. So someone 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 describe this for our listeners. So. Alright. So we see a guy with a very anguished expression on his face, and oh. he's got a very tall forehead and he has six cartridges plugged into his forehead labeled uh software etc electronic boutique babbages uh best buy venture stores and other locations which is my favorite game in that series and, and it is an ad for something called the video jukebox which the video is jukebox. Uh, i'm getting there don't rush so me much pain. do not rush me yeah there are okay. little indicator lights by each of those six <laughs> on his head mind you the third one's yep. lit up, indicated that the Best Buy Swords cartridge is the one that's currently being played. Uh, his eyes are glowing I'd say red. Other, I'd say other than the forehead, he looks fairly normal, except his teeth are no. yellow. His sure eyes are why. glowing red, as if he himself is the console playing these games. And uh, the text here is, the only other way to get nonstop gaming, as if to say, the primary way is to plug games directly into your head from these outlets. Astounding. But uh, the secondary way is to uh, subscribe to this video jukebox VJ service, which I'm sure no longer exists. No, it is not a subscription service. Now, look at the photo on the, right. the lower left. This is a box that you plug a bunch of games into yeah. that, and you can just hot swap your games without having to. It, it is eliminating uh, the very, very like infomercial like right like oh there's got to be a better way it's so hard to switch these games uh it is a box that you just put all your games in and then they're all hot swappable with a button press right so it is a it is a jukebox of of uh video game cartridges um and if you uh read the the text uh it tells you that you can actually network uh six of these together if you ah. want to buy six of these and have 36 games in your uh video game jukebox wait a second they don't install it in your head no what no. are no. you paying that's the for? other way to get non-stop right. gaming i'm gonna stick with the way i know and love <laughs> yeah. installing it in my forehead <laughs> that's fair okay now does this ad get better if i tell you that this product uh never actually made it to store shelves it gets it much better that way. <laughs> it's okay. incredible at that point. <laughs> okay. Yes, good. It made me. It made me pine for something that I can never have, and that mm -hmm. is the human condition. Right. I think. I think that's the best ad ever made. We'll put this in the show notes. Anyway, okay. next topic. What is more difficult to do in video games than in real life? Mm. More difficult to do in video games than in real life. I don't do that many things in real life. Like eating's harder in real life. Sleeping's harder. Right, that most things are harder in real life. For me, it's like management sims and stuff like that. Like, I feel like I have a good handle on just like carrying notes with me and organizing myself in, in an agenda. But to do that for fun, I can't. It It is so hard for me to like manage how much like uh, stuff to put on this farm that I'm now owning and like how much oil to get for this tractor. Like it, it becomes really stressful and like I'm living another life on top of mine. And I know a lot of people get joy out of those games, but for me, it is it is the hardest thing to do. Okay, I like that. And I thought of an answer while you were talking, which is navigate a 3D space. I, I yeah. find that it's a lot easier to get lost in a video game than in real life, to not know like where I am in relation to where I started. Um, whereas in real life, I don't know, an internal compass or just, I, I don't know, like I, I, 
I, I don't get lost in real life the way I get lost in, in a 3D environment in a game. I feel like even with that, I feel like it can be easier to navigate a 3D space sometimes, which is like, can be. I was thinking about it too. I was like, wouldn't just act of, but to be fair, walking in a video game is just whole direction, but trying to deuce that in person, we take for granted it. Walking is a complicated process with a lot of moving parts. So you gave me an existentialist crisis there, Jaffe, for a second. I'm like, what is <laughs> actually? That's the goal. Try to do that every episode. Oh, thank you. Uh, another one I can think of is when you're walking with a friend, it's easier to do, to do that uh, in real life because you can like stay the same speed as them. But in like a video game, a lot of escort missions, you're kind of slightly faster or slightly slower. Oh, yeah. It's always a bit awkward. How about a really specific example, which would be fine motor control over things? Mm. Like very much because we see all those games that they, you know, like games that are like, ha ha hoo hoo. They'll have like surgeon the, simulator, that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, stuff like that, where you got to like actually perform fine movements that actually are very, very important. You could do that maybe with the assistance of VR, but very, very infrequently, uh, very, very fine, super hyper precise movements tend to be kind of easier with your hands. And there's like a weird meta level to this with like, oh, well, how about speedrunners doing those frame perfect, uh, pixel perfect tricks? And I'm like, just stop. Oh, that's hard. That is hard. <laughs> That's not easier than doing the thing in real life. Uh, yeah, Jaffe, can you clip through a wall in real life? I would like to see you <laughs> clip through the wall. Oops, I clipped through this waterfall. Now I'm going to make Earthbound dump all the memory out of out of range. You know, like precise movement, in my opinion, much harder in reality. And that's kind of a cop-out answer, but I'm taking it. You know, Funke made me think of one like walking with another player, just communicating with other people in like multiplayer is more difficult oh than my god just it is communicating with somebody in real life <laughs> yeah it really is like it's it's very difficult to get exactly what you mean across when it's just like voice chat or text on the screen as opposed to you know like trying yeah. to coordinate your paintball team that's easier yeah also usually the first words out of someone's mouth when i'm seeing them in, in person isn't like a random slur yeah, that's uh, sometimes fair. that happens, but on on games like if I hop on Valorant or something, it's there. <laughs> like mm -hmm. it'll be like right there in the voice call. Huh. I didn't think about that before, but now that you say just communication, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How crazy too, because communicating with people online is by all means fairly easy as long as that communication is within certain parameters. And in games, all of those are somewhere in a piece of UI that's hard to reach because the game's gotta be first mm. and foremost. And there's the fact that that communication is meant to be geared towards a particular goal and you're just herding cats that way. Yeah. It's just an easier thing when you're in person to accomplish a thing. And that's why we should all go back to the office and uh, get rid of this pesky work from home nonsense. All right, I need to go. That's I'm my stance. Uh, thank you, everybody. For <laughs> <laughs> that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Here's my next question. Here's. It's the last question of the show before we go on to the lightning round. This is part of our ongoing segment where we extrapolate on the original question of what is the Citizen Kane of video games. That's long settled law. You could listen to the archives to figure that out for yourself. This week, I'd like to ask you, without having actually seen it, because I don't think you're friends with James Cameron, what is the Avatar The Way of Water of video games? Oh, that is a promised sequel uh, that's been in development for a long time, and it's a sequel to avatar which is a movie that 
everyone claims to have seen, but I've never known anyone to see. I've seen it. Couldn't tell you much that happened in it. I've seen the first one. Okay, that's actually the thing, right? Is that people saw it and don't remember it. Yeah, it kind of slid off their brains. Okay. But it was also like the, it it brought 3D, or really popularized the 3D black Mm. glasses. I remember like before that it was a lot of like red and blue. And Avatar was the first one I saw like, whoa, I have to put on these like shades to watch this after avatar every movie had to have a 3d release for a while so it doesn't have to literally be 3d it could just be like the introduction of a mechanic or yeah something something that right yeah a lot of other things it's a good question wow thank you i was leaning a little bit on frank's definition there for a second where you were like oh you know uh, uh the first avatar was this whole thing and then uh you've met a lot of people who have who say they've seen the first avatar but they kind of haven't or and then like the next one's like this promise and it's going to be super cool but they did eventually release KOF 15 so that doesn't work anymore <laughs> because i know a lot of people that say oh yeah, yeah i played KOF 14 and i'm like what you did tell me about it <laughs> what was your team and they'll be like well runs away from conversation I'm like, I see. Uh, by that by that same token you could also say mother three a game that came out after a very long anticipation window and people claim to be big fans of earthbound and not a lot of people played it but mm. well no that's no like avatar was like a record-breaking movie yes exactly earthbound sold to 37 customers yes exactly <laughs> and all 37 of them loved it damn it that, that is the entire starman.net community yes yeah <laughs> oh my god so it's Gotta be a sequel to something that was very, very popular, but not necessarily, well, impactful in a technical way, I suppose. Oh, no. As opposed to a narrative. No, I mean, there is too many. Like, you just you can just pick any one of these things and make did, the argument. It doesn't have to be all Did you get it, Andres? Oh, no. It's Andres? Duke Nukem. It's Duke Nukem Forever. It's Duke Nukem Forever, baby. Sound the air horn right here. Congratulations. You got it. Bah, 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 bah. It's Duke Nukem Forever. <laughs> You're right. I'm s- I'm so I'm so angry that 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 was the secret answer. Head. You got it. Duke Nukem Forever is the Avatar: The Way of Water video game. Oh no! Yeah, I don't agree though because Duke Nukem actually had a following. Duke Nukem 3D, like yeah, people love that stuff. There's a there's a small Avatar following. Avatar, yeah, Avatar has a theme park. It influenced how games were. It influenced how well, movies were made. I understand that Avatar continues yeah. to be marketed, but does yeah. anyone like it? Yeah, there's a dude in Canada who tattooed himself there's blue. A dude in Canada. No, no, he <laughs> tattooed himself blue to look like an avatar. A Navi. Um, yeah. A Navi, sorry. And then I saw there was a group of people who like can speak Navi as well. Yeah, but uh, that's a very niche community. That's more in line with right. like the earthbound people who are True. very, very passionate about this one thing. Well, and then three, the, the translation patch came out for three and like none of those people played it or talked about it. So that might yeah. be happening here. I don't know. I think the way of water is going to, it's going to blow everybody away. It's going to, it's going to defeat all the naysayers. <laughs> it's going to come out and people are going to be like, I'm sorry I ever doubted Like, it. I'm going to have to watch it just because I've, it's, all of the hype is just constricting me. And yeah, everybody's got to watch it. It's, it's mandatory. <laughs> just like DNF, huh? Just like DNF. Just like oh, DNF. God. Maybe that's the way to go to it. What's a game you feel like you had to play, even though you weren't really enthusiastic about it? Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, that's a good one. I was exhausted. It was like the first few months where I started working full time in games um, at at Fanbyte. And I just couldn't escape hearing from it, just from my coworkers, from Twitter, from everything. And I really wasn't that excited for it. 
But it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, the game's out. I have nothing to do today. Why don't I just play it? And I really didn't enjoy it for the first 20 hours. But then I, I was like, it's not that bad. I kind of enjoyed some of the later parts of this narrative work and the stuff they do with Pan Am and the Badlands and how they put Night City into perspective. But yeah, the hype was something that just pushed me to play it, even though I didn't care about it for the 10 years since it was announced. You would feel like you were being left out of the cultural conversation if you didn't play it. Absolutely. It was like homework kind yeah. of for me. Oh, Apparently man. it's good now. That's what I hear. I hear it's good now Now that they fixed everything. I have a I have an answer to that. It's kind of weirdly personal too, because I didn't mention earlier that I was playing Final Fantasy fourteen. I fell into the hole of that. I resisted playing Final Fantasy fourteen for years. Um, and I'm like a huge Final Fantasy like lover. Like I love Final Fantasy series. Um, but in the same way that I kind of played eleven for like a little bit and then I kind of just moved on for it. I didn't really care for the MMO. Um, I'm I'm very burned on MMOs. I really don't like multi like MMO games that much anymore and everyone was kind of telling me no you're gonna like it it's gonna be great and i had friends and then little by little more and more people around me slowly started getting into it hmm. and i resisted for so long i always used to say i was like yeah i'm the last bastion of people that refuses to play this game right i just don't want to play another mmo and then people were telling me oh yeah you know uh the first uh, the base game is really uh, whatever but uh, after the first expansion you really like it and damn it they were right like the first game <laughs> The, That's what I realm, hear. They got a realm you. Reborn sucks. A Realm Reborn sucks. It's Fetch Quest 14. I, it was such a drag. Like the story was kind of okay, but you know I'm like supposed to be the hero of light, and they're out here having me fold laundry. I was like, get me <laughs> out of here. But then you hit Heaven's Word, and Heaven's Word is legitimately one of my favorite games. Not MMOs. I'm saying like stories in a game. Heaven's Word is up there. It is strong. It is well written. It's well paced. I was like, MMOs can do this. And then, you know, you start playing it more and more and you're like, okay, well, the next expansion is not so great, but then Shadowbringers is supposed to be incredible and so is Endwalker. And yeah, and they get you. That's how they get you. And the game is such a love letter to people who like Final Fantasy that it's hard not to love it for that. Right. It's not trying to be like pandering, but it pulls like little bits of its own lore to show you like a Final Fantasy usually does by reintroducing same similar names or late motives and stuff like that. But in this case, they straight up pull whole whole chunks of story. Like you, if you like Final Fantasy 12, you visit the world, oh, basically, quote unquote, the world of Final Fantasy 12. It's a little bit like a second interpretation alternate universe of it. But like you go to Dalmasca, you meet characters from that era. Some characters hmm. are named after those characters. It's really good. And I'm upset that it's good. And Nier's <laughs> in there too, right? Yeah. there's a That's a whole real raid. It's not like you go there and it's a seasonal thing. No, no. If once I get to Shadowbringers, I could just go to Nier raids and I just go get Nier gear, which everyone likes because it makes your character's butt larger. This is true, by the way. Uh, it's a good argument, but I think we're still going to stick with Duke Nukem Forever as the answer. No, Duke Nukem Forever is. <laughs> That's my settled rule here. It's time for a lightning round. Uh, first, I have to ask, do any of you know anything about tarot? Like tarot cards? Yeah. Very little. No. That the cards look nice? Oh, I know that, actually. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> That's yeah. fine. Universally, every tarot card looks nice. Yes. I've seen them. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to name one of the major arcana from a tarot deck, and you're going to assign a video game to represent it. I can do that. Let's get started. Number one, The Magician. Uh, that's Magician for the NES. <laughs> magician <Yeah>. Lord. 
<laughs> um, magician, magician. Uh, Halo 3, when Master Chief uses the bubble shield, he's kind of like popping out of a hat like he's a rabbit. Fantastic. Um, Point goes to Frank. Uh, our next one is the High Priestess. Oh, that's the High Priestess for the NES. No, that's not. <laughs> Wait, hold on. The High Priestess? Yes. The High Priestess. The High Priestess. Oh, man. The you have high... to name an existing video game, right? Yeah. Not make one up? Okay. No, you're naming an existing video game to represent this tarot card. The High, high Priestess Bayonetta, I think. Mm. Honestly. In that nun outfit? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I think, I think that's the high it. Yeah. Bayonetta. I respect it. Okay, point to Andres. Next one. The Hierophant. Hey, the Hierophant? The what? The Hierophant. Can we get a description of, of the it? Hierophant? You know, the Hierophant, the fifth card of the Major Arcana in Occult Tarot Desks. It's uh, derived the, from the historical card known as the Pope in playing card decks. Uh, near Automata. Uh hmm. I would go with and this is gonna be a little weirdly weird, uh, civilization. Hmm. I kind of like Specifically that. Specifically two. Civilization two. Yeah, I'm going to give you the point on that one. The other one I was going to go with was King of Dragon Pass. Oh, that's another good one, but I like Civ two. Uh, our okay. next one is The Lovers. That's uh, lover, Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. Whoa, yeah. I was thinking that too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> good game. Frank got it. The Chariot. Uh, Ridge Racer. That's, that, that is the uh, Software Toolworks logo. Red Dead <laughs> Redemption, Undead Nightmare. Uh, that's good, but I like Ridge Racer. That's her chair. Ridge Racer. Number six is Justice. Ace Attorney, specifically three. Mm. Superman 64. Oh, God. <laughs> I had that's, a flashback. Uh, I don't know. I'm, just to counter Ace Attorney, it's uh, uh, Perry Mason for MS-DOS. Uh, no, that, Whoa, we're going that's backwards. good. I mean, what you should have said was Apollo Justice, which is the fourth Ace Attorney game. No, we want the third one. I like the third one a little bit more, yeah. but I like the fourth one almost as much. So I agree with you on that one, Jaffe. Our next one is The Wheel of Fortune. The Wheel of Fortune for PC DOS, <laughs> specifically the PC DOS version that is played in CGA. Damn it. I'll take it. Yeah. The Hanged Man. Uh, oh. Someone mentioned Red Dead Redemption earlier, and I think now it seems appropriate. Yeah. Mm, yeah, there is a, a mission one. in Red Dead Redemption that's, you know, I think I've said this on the show before, but um, my first impression of Red Dead Redemption was very disappointing because uh, it was a press event and they set up a guy who was hanging and you had to go rescue him from being hung. What the hell? And uh, I'm like, oh, it's the ending of the good, the bad and the ugly. Shoot the rope. And they're like, oh, you can't do that. You got to run, run up to him and press a button. It's like, but you set up the good, the bad and the ugly. You, you set up the most famous scene in any Western ever yeah you can't do that that's disappointing oh my gosh when you said press event i thought you meant they like had an actor hanging up and they're no, like no no, no, no. journalists go over and yeah that is what guy. i thought too for a second there was a sony event that had people hanging from the rafters though oh jesus good heavens good heavens uh i'm giving that to andres our next one is the tower bioshock tower fall can you beat tower fall andres there's a couple of ideas i have about the tower one of them is downwell that's kind of the opposite of it. But the it's the opposite direction. And so, yeah, so I'm just going to submit Downwell and I'm going to let, because the other one's like weirdly esoteric and I'm just not. I'm giving the point to Frank because the word tower is in the title of the game. The other one, Final Fantasy IV. Mm, oh, that would have been a good one. I would have given that point to you, but you said <laughs> Downwell. Uh, yeah, I'm sticking to Downwell because it's the first thing I thought of. It's a lightning round. All right. Our last point is The Fool. God, there's so many good ones for The Fool. 
it's actually hard to mm. pick just one. Oh, oh, I got it. I got it. Uh, Chester Cheetah, too cool to fool. That's it. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's pretty canonically good. the fool. Uh, I'm tallying up the points here. And Andres, you're a winner this week. Congratulations. Oh, thank God. Uh, yes. <laughs> squeaker uh your prize is that you're going to submit a question to me off mic that i'm going to use to introduce next week's episode you have one week to come nice. up with it. homework congratulations uh this <laughs> is the part of the show where we can plug the things we're working on to our audience and also recommend stuff that we're enjoying or actions that we wish our audience to take between this episode and our next release uh frank go what, what, what day does this show come out? Uh, this show comes out on Monday, the 14th of November. Okay. Uh, I don't think this will be out literally on Monday, but but sometime this week, uh, if, if you're into the sort of historical preservation stuff that we do, uh, we're going to show off and uh, this uh, wonderful article by uh, the wonderful uh, Phil Salvador, who, who I'm saying is wonderful because he's feet away from me right now in the office. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I would not say nice things about him. Um, about uh, uh, Simcopter 64, uh, which is oh, a man. Uh, N64 nice. game that that, uh, that never came out that uh, has a very uh, uh, confusing and, and weird development history and, and would have been a disaster had it come out. And, and there's going to be a ROM attached too, so you can mess with it. So uh, look forward to that on gamehistory.org. I will. Nice. Andres, you got anything? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I'll, I'll self-plug here for once. One of the things I've been doing with my time is that, as you all know, I'm a big fan of the King of Fighters. I have been working with Tampa Never Sleeps, who are streamers of several different fighting games. They stream Strive, they stream Marvel vs. Capcom 3, and they stream the King of Fighters 15, usually on Wednesdays. I am on occasion on the microphone there doing a commentary, so if you want to come check out some of the best North American players and PC, because there's no crossplay for the King of Fighters 15, but if you want to come check out some of the top players for that, and you want to have a good time, you want to watch, you know, like what, what the game looks like, or you want to just have a good time, hang out with us, uh, twitch.tv slash Tampa Never Sleeps. Uh, Tong, the guy that runs it, is a great guy. All the people that I work with there are awesome. Lucas, um, Proxy, King Jobber. There's a lot of people. Lena, all these people who are just awesome, and they put on a production basically for free um, every week. Uh, they do it several times a week for different games, but every week, you know, King of Fighters 15, that's the one I'm, I'm involved in. There's a bunch of other fighting games there that you can check out, and it's free to join online too which is pretty rad if you want to play at all if you want to just come watch twitch.tv slash tampa never sleeps we'd love to have you there nice all right uh funky what you got uh what have i got i've been up to a lot of reading comics and uh just getting more into that i'm reading a book on how to make comics now i've never done it before but i really nice. love reading them and animation yes i'm a clouds making comics yes sir i got it right here um halfway through do, do, do you have the prerequisite though scott mcleod's understanding understanding comments. no i'm actually starting with the sequel then i'll hit the prequel okay okay <laughs> but yeah i recently read alan moore's writing for comics i'd recommend that that's a neat little text oh yes i will absolutely get on that but yeah i've been just like working on a comic with some friends and that's fun that'll probably be ready i don't know sometime but something i've been more actively working on is a youtube series that's a bit of a retrospective, but also covering new games um, with a short critique wrapped in like why I, I like this piece of media and why I want to share that with specifically my friends and family who don't really play games. So it would really be breaking down the game and showing people, hey, like video games are cool. And even if you don't really 
it, think you enjoy games, I think you would enjoy this. Um, and the first game in the series is going to be Mirror's Edge, which I've been playing a lot mm. of, and reading a lot of. Um, and yeah, it's one of my favorite games. So I want to... Speaking of fast 3D movement. Yeah. Yes. Parkour, parkour. I was hoping um, you'd bring that up in the Sonic question. I kind of wrote that thinking you would. Oh, but, like... uh, oh, that's why you didn't win the episode, I'm afraid. No. Part of my secret scoring rubric. I think it's rigged. <laughs> um, yeah, but you can check out what I'm doing uh, on the EVA website at FunkeFly, F-U-N-K-E-F-L-Y, or on my own site, which is F-U-N-K-E dot cargo dot site. Terrific. Well, I have some recommendations of my own. I'd like to recommend that if you're listening to this show in some format where you can subscribe to us or review podcasts, that you do that for us to keep the algorithms happy and in our favor. You could also go to patreon.com slash insert credit, as aforementioned, where you could become a patron to submit your own topics, listen to monthly bonus episodes, and get other exclusive content. You could also join our community at forums.insertcredit.com or look for Insert Credit on YouTube. This show is edited by Esper Quinn with original music by Kurt Feldman. I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm Frank Cipaldi. I'm Andres Velasco-Icol. I'm Funky Joseph. And this is my sign-off for this week. I didn't write one. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> I have to go see my mother, who is in town. We're going to get to Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Hi, Jaffe's Mom. <laughs>